Act Five of The School for Wives by Moliere. Translated by Henry van Laun. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Five. Scene One. Arnolf, Alain, Georgette. Wretches! What have you done by your violence? We have obeyed you, sir. It is of no use trying to defend yourselves by such an excuse. My orders were to beat him, not to murder him. I told you to discharge your blows on his back, and not on his head. Good heavens! Into what a plight my fate has now thrown me! And what course can I take, as the man is dead? Go into the house, and be sure to say nothing of the harmless order that I gave you. Alone. It will be daylight presently, and I shall go and consider how to bear myself under this misfortune. Alas, what will become of me? And what will Horace's father say when he shall suddenly hear of this affair? Scene 2. Arnolf, Horace. Horace, aside. I must go and make out who it is. Arnolf, thinking himself alone. Could one ever have foreseen? Running against Horace. Oh, who is there, pray? Is it you, Monsieur Arnolf? Yes, but who are you? Horace, I was going to your house to beg a favour. You were out very early. Arnolf, to himself aside. Wonderful! Is it magic? Is it a vision? To tell the truth, I was in a great difficulty. I thank heaven's great goodness that at the nick of time I thus meet you. Let me tell you that everything has succeeded, much better even than I could have predicted, and by an accident which might have spoiled all. I do not know how our appointment could possibly have been suspected, but just as I was reaching the window, I unluckily saw some persons who, unceremoniously raising their hand against me, made me miss my footing and fall to the ground, which, at the expense of a bruise, saved me from a score of blows. These people, of whom I fancy my jealous rival was one, attributed my fall to their blows, and as the pain compelled me to lie for some time motionless, they honestly thought they had killed me and were greatly alarmed. I heard all their noise in profound silence, each accusing the other of the violence, and complaining of their ill fortune, came softly, without a light, to feel if I were dead. You may imagine that I contrived, in the darkness of night, to assume the appearance of a real corpse. They went away in great terror, and as I was thinking how I should make my escape, the young Agnes, frightened by my pretended death, came to me in great concern for the talking of these people had reached her ears from the very first, and, being unobserved during all this commotion, she easily escaped from the house. But finding me unhurt, she displayed a transport which it would be difficult to describe. What more need I say? The lovely girl obeyed the promptings of her affection, were not returned to her room, and committed her fate to my honour. You may judge from this instance of innocence to what she is exposed by the mad intolerance of a fool, and what frightful risks she might have run if I were a man to hold her less dear than I do. 
but too pure a passion fills my soul. I would rather die than wrong her. I see in her charms worthy of a better fate, and not but death shall part us. I foresee the rage my father will be in, but we must find an opportunity to appease his anger. I cannot help being transported by charms so delightful, and in short we must in this life be satisfied with our lot. What I wish you to do, as a confidential friend, is to let me place this beauty under your care, and that, in the interest of my love, you will conceal her in your house for at least a day or two, for, besides that I must conceal her flight from everyone, to prevent any successful pursuit of her, you know that a young girl, especially such a beautiful one, would be strongly suspected in the company of a young man, and as I have trusted the whole secret of my passion to you, being assured of your prudence, so to you only, as a generous friend, can I confide this beloved treasure. Be assured I am entirely at your service. You will really do me so great a favour. Very willingly, I tell you. I am delighted at the opportunity of serving you. I thank heaven for putting it in my way. I never did anything with so much pleasure. How much I am obliged to you for all your kindness. I feared a difficulty on your part, but you know the world, and your wisdom can excuse the art of youth. One of my servants is with her at the corner of the street. But how shall we manage, for day begins to break? If I take her here, I may be seen. And if you come to my house, the servants will talk. To take a safe course, you must bring her to me in a darker place. That alley of mine is convenient. I shall wait for her there. It is quite right to use these precautions. I shall only place her in your hands, and return at once to my lodgings without more ado. Arnulf, alone. Ah, fortune. This propitious accident makes amends for all the mischief which your caprice has done. He muffles himself up in his cloak. Scene 3. Agnes, Horace, Arnulf. Arnulf to Agnes. Do not be uneasy at the place I am taking you to. I conduct you to a safe abode. It would ruin all for you to lodge with me. Go in at this door and follow where you are led. Arnulf takes her hand without being recognized by her. Agnes to Horace. Why do you leave me? Dear Agnes, it must be so. Remember then, I pray you to return soon. My love urges me sufficiently for that. I feel no joy but when I see you. Away from you I also am sad. Alas, if that were so, you would stay here. What? Can you doubt my excess of love? No, you do not love me as much as I love you. Oh, he is pulling me too hard. Arnulf pulls her away. It is because it is dangerous, dear Agnes, for us to be seen together here. This true friend, whose hand draws you away, acts with the prudent zeal that inspires him on our behalf. But to follow a stranger? Fear nothing. In such hands you cannot but be safe. I would rather be in Horace's, and I should... To Arnulf, who still drags her away. Stay a little. Farewell. The day drives me away. When shall I see you, then? Very soon, you may be sure. 
How wary I shall be till I do. Horace, going. Thank heaven, my happiness is no longer in suspense. Now I can sleep securely. Scene 4. Arnolf, Agnes. Arnolf, concealed by his cloak and disguising his voice. Come, it is not there you are going to lodge. I have provided a room for you elsewhere, and I intend to place you where you will be safe enough. Discovering himself. Do you know me? Oh! My face frightens you now, hussy. It is a disappointment to you to see me here. I interrupt your love and its pretty contrivances. Agnes looks for Horace. Do not imagine you can call your lover to your aid with those eyes of yours. He is too far off to give you any assistance. So, so, young as you are, you can play such pranks. Your simplicity, that seemed so extraordinary, asks if infants came through the ear. Yet you manage to make an assignation by night and to slink out silently in order to follow your gallant. Gad, how coaxing your tongue was with him. You must have been at a good school. Who the deuce has taught you so much all on a sudden? You're no longer afraid then to meet ghosts. This gallant has given you courage in the night-time. Ah, baggage to arrive at such a pitch of deceit. To form such a plot in spite of all my kindness. Little serpent that I have warmed in my bosom. And that as soon as it feels it is alive, tries ungratefully to injure him that cherished it. Why do you scold me? Of a truth, I do wrong. I am not conscious of harm in all that I have done. To run after a gallant is not, then, an infamous thing? He is one who says he wishes to marry me. I followed your directions. You taught me we ought to marry in order to avoid sin. Yes, but I meant to take you to wife myself. I think I gave you to understand it clearly enough. You did, but to be frank with you, he is more to my taste for a husband than you. With you, marriage is a trouble and a pain, and your description gives a terrible picture of it. But there, he makes it seem so full of joy that I long to marry. Oh, traitress, that is because you love him. Yes, I love him. And you have the impudence to tell me so. Why, if it is true, should I not say so? Ought you to love him, minx? Alas, can I help it? He alone is the cause of it. I was not thinking of it when it came about. But you ought to have driven away that amorous desire. How can we drive away what gives us pleasure? And did you not know that it would displease me? I? Not at all. What harm can it do you? True, I ought to rejoice at it. You do not love me then, after all. You? Yes. Alack, no. How? No. Would you have me tell a fib? Why not love me, Madam Impudence? Heaven, you ought not to blame me. Why did you not make yourself loved, as he has done? I did not prevent you, I fancy. I tried all I could, but all my pains were to no purpose. Of a truth, then, he knows more about it than you, for he had no difficulty in making himself loved. Arnulf, aside. See how the jade reasons and retorts. Plague! Could one of your witty ladies say more about it? Oh, I was a dolt. 
Or else, on my honour, a fool of a girl knows more than the wisest man. To Agnes. Since you are so good at reasoning, Madam Chop Logic, should I have maintained you so long for his benefit? No, he will pay you back, even to the last farthing. Arnulf aside. She hits on words that double my vexation. Aloud. With all his ability, hussy, will he discharge me the obligations that you owe me? I do not owe you as much as you think. Was the care of bringing you up nothing? Verily, you've been at great pains there, and have caused me to be finely taught throughout. Do you think I flatter myself so far as not know in my own mind that I am an ignoramus? I am ashamed of myself, and at my age, I do not wish to pass any longer for a fool if I can help it. You shrink from ignorance, and would learn something of your spark at any cost. To be sure, it is from him I know what I do know. I fancy, I owe him much more than you. Really, what prevents me from revenging this saucy talk with a cuff? I am enraged at the sight of her provoking coldness, and to beat her would be a satisfaction to me. Ah, oh, you can do that if you choose. Arnulf, aside. That speech and that look disarm my fury and bring back the tenderness to my heart which effaces all her guilt. How strange it is to be in love. To think that men should be subject to such weakness for these traitresses. Everyone knows their imperfection. They are extravagant and indiscreet. Their mind is wicked and their understanding weak. There is naught weaker, more imbecile, more faithless. And in spite of it all, everything in the world is done for the sake of these bipeds. To Agnes. Well, let us make peace. Listen, little wretch. I forgive all and restore you to my affection. Learn thus how much I love you. And seeing me so good, love me in return. With all my heart, I should like to please you, if it were in my power. Poor little darling, you can if you will. Just listen to this sigh of love. <sighs> See this dying look, behold my person, and forsake this young coxcomb and the love he inspires. He must have thrown some spell over you, and you will be a hundred times happier with me. Your desire is to be finely dressed and frolicsome, then I swear you shall ever be so. I will fondle you night and day, I will hug you, kiss you, devour you. You shall do everything you have a mind to. I do not enter into particulars. And that is saying everything. Aside. To what length will my passion go? Aloud. In short, nothing can equal my love. What proof would you have me give you, ungrateful girl? Would you have me weep? Shall I beat myself? Shall I tear out one half of my hair? Shall I kill myself? Yes, say so if you will. I am quite ready, cruel creature, to convince you of my love. Stay. All you say does not touch my heart. Horace could do more with a couple of words. Ah, oh, this is too great an insult, and provokes my anger too far. I will pursue my design, you intractable brute, and will pack you out of the town forthwith. You reject my addresses and drive me to extremities. But the innermost cell of a convent shall avenge me of all. Scene 5. Arnulf, Agnes, Alain. I don't know how it is, master. But it seems to me that Agnes and the corpse have run away together. She is here. Go and shut her up in my room. Aside. Horace will not come here to see her. 
Besides, it is only for half an hour. To Alain. Go and get a carriage, for I mean to find her a safe dwelling. Shut yourselves safely in, and above all, do not take your eyes off her. Alone. Perhaps when her mind is buried in solitude, she will be disabused of this passion. Scene 6. Horace Arnolf. Oh, I come here, plunged in grief. Heaven, Monsieur Arnolf, has decreed my ill fortune. By a fatal stroke of extreme justice, I am to be torn away from the beauty whom I love. My father arrived this very evening. I found him alighting close by. In a word, the reason of his coming, with which, as I said, I was unacquainted, is that he has made a match for me, without a word of warning. He has arrived here to celebrate the nuptials. Oh, feel for my anxiety, and judge if a more cruel disappointment could happen to me. That Enrique, whom I asked you about yesterday, is the source of all my trouble. He has come with my father to complete my ruin. It is for his only daughter that I am destined. I thought I should have swooned when they first spoke of it. Not caring to hear more as my father spoke of paying you a visit, I hurried here before him, my mind full of consternation. I pray you be sure not to let him know anything of my engagement, which might incense him, and try, since he has confidence in you, to dissuade him from this other match. Ay, to be sure. Advise him to delay, and thus, like a friend, help me in my passion. No fear. All my hope is in you. It could not be better placed. I look on you as my real father. Tell him that my age... <gasps> I see him coming. Hear the arguments I can supply you with. Scene 7. Enrique, Oronte, Grisald... Horace, Arnolf. Horace and Arnolf retire to the back of the stage and whisper together. Enrique to Crisald. As soon as I saw you, before anyone could tell me, I should have known you. I recognize in your face the features of your lovely sister, whom marriage made mine in former days. Happy should I have been if cruel fate had permitted me to bring back that faithful wife to enjoy with me the great delight of seeing once more, after our continual misfortunes, all her former friends. But since the irresistible power of destiny has forever deprived us of her dear presence, let us try to submit and to be content with the only fruit of love which remains to me. It concerns you nearly. Without your consent, I should do wrong in wishing to dispose of this pledge. The choice of the son of Arant is honorable in itself, but you must be pleased with this choice, as well as I. It would argue a poor opinion of my judgment to doubt my approbation of so reasonable a choice. Arnolf, aside to Horace. I, I will serve you finely. Beware once more. Have no uneasiness. Leaves Horace and goes up to embrace Oronte. Ah, this is indeed a tender embrace. How delighted I am to see you. I am come here. 
I know what brings you without your telling me. You have already heard? Yes. So much the better. Your son is opposed to this match. His heart being pre-engaged, he looks on it as a misfortune. He has even prayed me to dissuade you from it. For my part, all the advice I can give you is to exert a father's authority and not allow the marriage to be delayed. Young people should be managed with a high hand. We do them harm by being indulgent. Horace, aside. Oh, the traitor! If it is repugnant to him, I think we ought not to force him. I think my brother will be out of my mind. What? Will he let himself be ruled by his son? Would you have a father so weak as to be unable to make his son obey him? It would be fine indeed to see him at his time of life receiving orders from one who ought to receive them from him. No, no, he is my intimate friend and his honour is my own. His word is past and he must keep it. Let him now display his firmness and control his son's affection. You speak well. In this match, I will answer for my son's obedience. Chrysald to Arnulf. I am indeed surprised at the great eagerness which you show for this marriage, and cannot guess what is your motive. I know what I am about, and speak sensibly. Yes, yes, Mr. Arnulf, he is. That name annoys him. He is Monsieur de la Souche, as you were told before. It makes no difference. Horace aside. What do I hear? Arnulf, turning to Horace. Aye, that is the mystery. You can judge as to what it behooved me to do. Horace, aside. What a scrape. Scene 8. Enrique, Oront, Chrysald, Horace, Arnulf, Georgette. Sir, if you do not come, we shall scarcely be able to hold Agnes... She is trying all she can to get away. I fear she will throw herself out of the window. Bring her to me, for I mean to take her away. To Horace. Do not be disturbed. Continual good fortune makes a man proud. Every dog has his day, as the proverb says. Horace, aside. Good heaven, what misfortune can equal mine? Was ever a man in such a mess as this? Arnulf, to Oront. Hasten the day of the ceremony. I am bent on it, and invite myself beforehand. That is just my intention. Scene 9. Agnes, Oront, Enrique, Arnulf, Horace, Chrysald, Alain, Georgette. Arnulf, to Agnes. Come hither, my beauty, whom they cannot hold, and who rebels... Here is your gallant, to whom, to make amends, you may make a sweet and humble curtsy. To Horace. Farewell. The issue rather thwarts your desires, but all lovers are not fortunate. Horace, will you let me be carried off in this manner? I scarcely know where I am. My sorrow is so great. Come along, chatterbox. I shall stay here. Tell us the meaning of this mystery. We are all staring at each other without being able to understand it. I shall inform you at a more convenient time. Till then, goodbye. Where are you going? 
you do not speak to us as you should. I have advised you to complete the marriage. Let Horace grumble as much as he likes. Ay, but to complete it, have you not heard? If they have told you all, that the lady concerned in this affair is in your house, that she is the daughter of Enrique and of the lovely Angelica, who were privately married. Now, what was at the bottom of your talk just now? I, too, was astonished at his proceedings. What? My sister had a daughter by a secret marriage, whose existence was concealed from the whole family. And, in order that nothing might be discovered, she was put out to nurse in the country by her husband, under a feigned name. At that time, fortune being against him, he was compelled to quit his native land. To encounter a thousand various dangers in far distant countries and beyond many seas. Where his industry has acquired what in his own land he lost through roguery and envy. And when he returned to France, the first thing he did was to seek out her to whom he had confided the care of his daughter. This countrywoman frankly told him that she had committed her to your keeping from the age of four. And that she did it because she received money from you and was very poor. Orant, transported with joy, has even brought this woman hither. In short, you shall see her here directly to clear up this mystery to everyone. Grisard to Arnolf. I can almost imagine what is the cause of your grief. But fortune is kind to you. If it seems so good to you not to be a cuckold, your only course is not to marry. Arnolf, going away full of rage and unable to speak. <sighs> Scene last. Enrique, Oront, Crisald, Agnes, Horace. Why does he run away without saying a word? Ah, father, you shall know the whole of this surprising mystery. Accident has done here what your wisdom intended. I had engaged myself to this beauty in the sweet bonds of mutual love. It is she, in a word, whom you come to seek, and for whose sake I was about to grieve you by my refusal. I was sure of it as soon as I saw her. My heart has yearned for her ever since. Ah, oh, daughter, I am overcome by such tender transports. I could be so, brother, just as well as you. But this is hardly the place for it. Let us go inside and clear up these mysteries. Let us show our friend some return for all his great pains. And, thank heaven, which orders all for the best. End of Act 5 End of The School for Wives by Moliere Translated by Henry van Laun